This is Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob, and it is a pleasure to be here. Exactly. I agree. The only thing that I have issue with is your shirt. My shirt. Yeah, I just don't like the color. Well, you know what? You'll have to kind of get over it. Maybe I don't want to get over it. Oh, I think you should get over it. Are we in a disagreement? It sounds like it. Can't you two just agree to disagree? <laughs> Who is that? Why did you butt into this? <laughs> Cliff Barry, our very special guest. I think we have conflict, Barry. We may need your mediation skills. Oh, definitely. I'm actually kind of chapped right now. Well, can you fix his poor taste? Can you fix his hair? <laughs> we could take a break. <laughs> Blood pressure's, <laughs> blood pressure's up, heart rate's up. Uh, I don't want to do this podcast. Shallow breathing. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> You're canceled. So, there's our introduction to our topic today. What is our topic? Cliff, you said it. What's our topic? Uh, agree to disagree. Oh, it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever done that? Where you get to the end of the rope and you your concession is, well, I just guess we're going to have to agree to disagree. And the middle fingers go up. and <laughs> The middle finger of fellowship. Yeah, and I did that with Odin this morning, you know. <laughs> when you do that, you move from a dispute to a conflict. Dispute is about facts. Conflicts are about feelings and emotions. Oh. Ooh. Well, I think our job is done here. <laughs> you want me to get all fluffy and connect with my emotions. I want to talk about the facts. I can do that. So I had a dispute with Odin this morning, my golden retriever, now two years old. Yes. I was done with my bike ride. I was watching the Tour de France. I love the bike race, 21 21 stages. And I was done, and I was stretching. And Odin, and I'm sweaty, and Odin loves to be around me, like, all the time. And I love being around him. I mean, it's a great romance. I call it a bromance. (laughs) But he's hairy and he sheds. And if I pet him or he rubs up against me, his hair gets all over my sweaty, like, arms and hands. Oh, yeah. And then it gets into my mouth. And then we've got conflict. And then (laughs) the poor boy, I had to banish him back upstairs and close the door so he couldn't have access to what Dean calls me, Poppy. Poppy. Yeah, he gets excited. And uh, when I get home at night, Dean opens the door and says, hey, Poppy's home. And he gets all excited. And he runs out to the car pell-mell like, at a thousand miles an hour. Right. But today I was home and Deanne was coming home and I said, Hey, Mimi's home. Mom's home. Right. And he goes out to the deck and just is wagging his tail. He doesn't run out no. to meet mom. Like he runs out to meet dad. No, that stoked my ego a little bit. Made me feel a little bit better about myself. Well, okay. Hey, if you've tuned into this crazy podcast, welcome. Um, we are having a mindful conversation today about what it means to deal with, conflict and the idea of agreeing to disagree we're reading and referencing an article from psychology today from melanie martin and she's suggesting that agreeing to disagree is not an end it is a beginning i like that concept right and so today's conversation we're going to talk about things that have to do with conflict Conflict is rampant in our community on all levels. So let's get started. Let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) So, yeah. So the the idea is, you know, can you blame 
the reality of the visceral reaction that happens when you come face to face with your own opinion, when it's being confronted by another person's opinion and you find yourself like getting agitated because the person doesn't see it your way. Has that ever happened to you, you guys? Oh, it never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with significant others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hot topics, politics, religion, social issues. Sometimes they've ended decade-long relationships, erode family bonds. Erode know. trust and respect. Er, yeah. Like you just get so divided. Like I haven't spoken to my so-and-so in like five years. Well, what, what did you, what, what was, the, what was the argument? Chicken dinner. Yeah. She burned the chicken. Really? You guys haven't talked for five years over some food. Well, it seems like humans launch at each other with the perspective that my opinions and ideas and facts are always right. I hold to those opinions and beliefs because I personally think I'm right and you're wrong. We're back to privilege. Yeah. Could you speak to that just for a moment, Cliff, the uh, idea of privilege? Privilege, privilege is, is the belief or the, the, the statement is because of circumstances, uh, I, have the, I have the right. And that's the only thing that counts. Well, and I, I've also heard it referenced this way. We don't possess an intellectual humility or the humility of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I don't approach people with the understanding that I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't allow me to investigate. It causes me to power up. Or to access that privilege that you referenced. We don't live in a society or culture that values that. No. I can't help that, but I I personally try to cultivate that. So what if the point of communication or conversation is not to agree, but rather to have a conversation? What would happen if instead of trying to change or control each other, we focused on seeing and understanding each other. The concept of dialogue, conversation, seeking to understand the other person. I think you said it before we started recording, to understand before being understood. Oh, I believe that. A universal law of relationship. Yeah. Ancient and universal, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Oh. Well, it would change our society and it would change our culture. It changes the way we work with. Mediation uh, would have a higher standard. Uh, often, mediation is considered uh, 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 is considered un-American because mm-hmm. it's there's no right or wrong. There's just what do we agree to, and what is the basis we agree on, and what are the decisions we make from that agreement. Uh, we we're, we're geared in our training and our culture to uh, be the best. And because we're the best, we get to call the shots. You know, it's like, it's privilege is a real big thing for me. I've talked about that before. Um, authority tells us what you can do or what you can't do. Uh, power tells you what you can do. And then uh, when you're in a state of privilege, 
you get to choose what you want to do. What's mm. rich? It is. We're, we don't have a society that promotes uh, outside of movies and books. We don't have a society from my, from my perspective that really promotes transformation. So you're saying society, culture, yeah. which is made up of all kinds of different human relationships. Oh, yeah, right from the get-go. I mean, we find ourselves in relationships within family, family of origin, married family, single life, roommates, work, mm-hmm. school. I would, I would argue that the contact, the context of life is relationship. We were created for relationship. Yeah, there's nothing that really happens to us outside of that context. Like even the hermit on the hill is a byproduct of a relationship. Yeah. And responding to relationships. Oh, that's really good, Rob. The idea that we were born in relationship. I mean, two people had to come together in relationship. That's exactly right. Whether by accident or by purpose. Right. And to Cliff's point, culture... Um, facilitates a number of either lies or misrepresentations like happiness is a result of uh, material possession or happiness is a result of um, degrees, diplomas, whatever, privilege, power, whatever. It's really a byproduct of healthy relationship. And, And conflict that's mismanaged has the potential to destroy relationships. Yeah. Any chance of coming to an agreement. Yeah. Conflict becomes the, the major source of uh, the, the relationships or the interactions. So they call there's a thing called intractable conflict. You're at a point now, whatever is given, whatever is put out for discussion is always the next thing that follows is, how do you take that that response and turn it into weapon, weaponize? So you're you're interested in weaponizing the inf- all conversations. Yeah. Okay. Let's pause. This is really good, and I want to make sure we have clarity. In intractable differences, intractable differences. You know, we we will intend to weaponize the information that we gather in relationship to support our to support our position. Correct. In order for us to win. Yes. You know, how you define winning r- r- ranges all over the place, but it's the winner. I'm I'm up and you're down. I'm okay, you're not okay. Winner. It creates a win-lose situ- right. context. Yeah. It's, yeah. A zero-sum game. Yeah. Or- so do we want to be in a situation, if somebody wins, that means somebody loses. Yeah. So if I live in the economy of wins and losses. I don't know that that's the bet. It works for sports. That's what I was going to say. But it doesn't work for a relationship. Yeah. But if, even in sports, it doesn't work for the team. What do you mean? Is the, the, the team may have that the win-lose in terms of who they're going against or what they're playing. But if they work within the if they work within the team itself from that from that position with each other, you don't have a team. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So team A and team B can win or lose. But if I have this win-lose conflict resolution attitude within the context of my own team, team A, I I don't authentically have a team. You don't. Right. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about the culture here at Response Care Center, and we do have a collaborative culture. Yeah. We genuinely work together, not in a cooperative sense. We work together in a collaborative sense. And part of that, I mean, this conversation, nobody will be surprised, requires maturity and safety. It's it's a voluntary thing. We're not forcing people to be collaborative. We want to be. We offer it, and if the person feels safe, they can contribute and, yes. and flow in the relationships yes. that exist in the team. But we are challenging each other to, to raise to that level. Yeah. When we get together, <clears throat> we're saying these are the rules we'll play by that are on this table that all 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 sit here all have right to sit at this table all have a right to speak all have a right to to be heard yeah regardless of where you are regardless of where you are and then we create rules and how that looks like and and how you communicate so there's always a structure to work with it's just not a free-for-all there's a structure there's a how do we do be polite? How do we be generous? How do we, you know, how do we serve well? For but us, it's how do we serve well. But when it comes to conflict, in our context at least, those conflicts, part of the way we respect each other is by having open, honest, respectful dialogue. Like Matt was going after um, at the beginning. It's like that transformational piece of conflict. Mm-hmm. Th- yes, that requires a level of maturity though a high level i would to do that yeah well because you know i've been in this organization since 2017 late 16 early 17 i don't know somewhere in there maybe 17 so what that's about five years yeah and i did not come into this organization with a context of collaborative healthy culture yeah. Whether that was in my marriage, because I was not with my wife, in the, the place of employment where I was at, I didn't have a context. So I was introduced, and to be honest with you, I was, I was defensive about what was presenting because I didn't understand it. Yeah. And so, therefore, I didn't trust it. I didn't trust you. No. And po- we're pointing to Rob. And and we don't ask for trust. We ask for opportunity. Ah, oh, that's big distinction. That is a big distinction. Remember back when you came in, it's like, I'm not asking you to trust me or the process or the team. What we're asking for is an openness that provides an opportunity for us to mutually understand you and you to understand us. Yeah. I don't, I, I think what we do in our culture is, we do pseudo conflict resolution. We do pseudo intimacy. We do pseudo teams because what we're talking about today, like conflict is not easy and it, it is both a dangerous uh, 
there's a dangerous side to it and an opportunity side to it. The danger is it could wreck my relationship with you. Yeah. Especially if immaturity rules. The opportunity is it gives me an opportunity to understand you better mm-hmm. and vice versa. And that facilitates a better connection between you and I. So what I experienced in the process of being at RCC is what the author, who is referred to as a conflict transformation specialist. I love that title. And the author, Melody, she <clears throat> states that the dream of conflict transformation is to end cycles of hostility and violence and build healthier and more equitable relationships. Right. Many practitioners find motivation through religious teachings or virtue codes, but the practice doesn't necessarily need to have a theological component, although I realize God is big time into relationship. Most universally, it falls into the realm of social ethics. In other words, the study and the practice of treating each other rightly. Or or with respect. Or or with respect. So I didn't realize that I was entering into a system, because there is a system here. Yep. And I didn't realize that that system was transformative because I experienced transformation. I grew as a human being, and I had to deal with conflict. Conflict she also recognizes there's what's called a cognitive dissonance. Yes. The difference between my belief system and my action. Yes. And for me, that, that dissonance was significant coming out of brokenness into wholeness. And nobody gave me a roadmap. Nobody gave me the way. It was just experiential. And lo and behold... I started to tick toward maturity. Yes. That's the American way. It has to be linear. Mm, But farmers don't... Let's see if I can articulate this. Farmers work with the weather, the seeds, and the soil. What What I think we do here is we create an environment for growth as opposed to a linear model that says, well, if you check out A, you check out B, you check out C. And that environment facilitates a synchronizing of how I act, think, and feel. What do you say, Cliff? Or am I not? No, yeah, I, no, I, th- I think so. It's, it just occurred to me is that basically we, oh, we, work on, we work very much from improvisation. We, when we come together, we don't have a script. We may have an agenda or, or, or itemize things that we want to address, but we don't have a script on how it has to go or who has to say what, who has to be on top, who has to be in the bottom, who has to be at the end. As we come in, we're open for improvisation. We're open for spontaneity. We're open to see where it goes and what we go. We don't lose we don't we ever lose in charge of what we decide to do or not do, but we open that space up for other people to come in. And uh, that can be exciting and exhilarating and it can be very scary and uh, fraught with danger depending on who's there and who you're with and where who how you are even in that moment. Well, what I look at is 
like say group supervision, we try to tell everyone that it's okay to be who you are. And we accept, try to accept them as they actually are, right? And then when they see this process, to Matt's point, I think when they see this process of conflict, uh, transformation, or resolution, as it frequently goes by, I do think they're a little different, like the article points out. But when you actually see it experienced, mm -hmm. and you experience it, that's, to me, where the transformation lies. I can intellectually understand things. I can even link my vocabulary intellectually and have all the right jargon or terms. But when those come together in a synchronized manner in a safe environment where maturity is valued, transformation is often the byproduct. Yes. yes. And for the context of our listeners, we're talking about an organization, Response Care, that both helps helpers and the helpers help people. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we are both helping interns who are getting their master's degree in counseling or yeah. fulfill their internship clinical hours. We're helping them develop into competent counselors, but we're also through them and ourselves, we're helping people. So we're all in the same fishbowl. Yes. We are all counselor, client, helper, administrator, whoever you are, we are in the same fishbowl in the process of transformative processes. Yeah, and and I think I love, um, I don't know what the word would be, the inclusion of that, right? It isn't, we're not just helping or students become better clinicians, we're in it together. They're helping me become a better person as well. It's mutual. Yeah. It's reciprocal. There you go. Yeah. You're so smart. Thank you very much for <laughs> noticing. I would agree with that. Somewhere along the line, I think every individual has to make a decision, whether it's conscious or unconscious, make a decision to move out of privilege into communal move out of there's them and there's me, there's us. I am, I, I keep my identity, but there is an us. There's not uh, a them and me. Yeah. Well, it fits in with our agree to disagree right. because one of the points that Matt, <clears throat> excuse me, talked about, um, she says disagreement is healthy because it can facilitate growth in, mm -hmm. in I think intimacy but the second one that I think we're talking about is, she says, when we debate to win, winning becomes a distracting goal. Sure. And I was thinking about that, um, and then she goes on to make that point about the distracting. It's not mutually edifying when I'm out to win. No. It takes a lot of work. You talked about improv improvising. Improvising requires a lot of skill and work. It does. And and being mutual in conflict where I'm seeking to understand the concepts that we're just batting back and forth here are not easy. No, 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 they're not. Hey, sometimes the need to win seems very noble. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We need to realize 
oftentimes people's campaign to advocate for something in their mind is nobility, but they don't always realize their campaign is really a blinder where they fail to see the person they're speaking to. Well, um, let me see if I can. Um, I think what you're talking about yes, is please, that... Yes, please help me to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think what we're talking about at that point is separating ideas from identity. Oh, okay. Right? It's... it's um, I'm... I'm lob in th- in that case the need to win. I'm lobbying for an ideal, but I don't recognize that the person I'm debating has an identity, so I attack. I, d- I defend. I defend and attack. or attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, maturity requires that I understand that what we're trying to have a conversation about are the ideals, mm-hmm. and. And somehow that is tied into this conversation. Absolutely. You know, you've started, we have seven points that we're referencing. You've referenced point one and two. Point one is the concept of disagreement is healthy. Let's, yeah. Let's reemphasize that. Okay. We're suggesting that disagreement is healthy. Principle one. Yes. In this concept. Now, remember, the ground rules for this is number one, Resist using control. Number two, embrace disagreement. And number three, focus on relationship and community building. That's the foundation by which we are moving toward this. Yes. The first point that we're talking about, why this works, is disagreement is healthy. So let's reemphasize why that is true according to this author and according to what we believe about healthy disagreement. Well, to her point, I think it's healthy because I don't really see a better way for transformation. If you're always, if a person is always agreeing with me, I get scared because I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. Yeah. Right? And so I personally want to be surrounded with people who are safe but can have a conversation with me about this is where I see you might be getting a little sideways or you know I respectfully disagree I see that as healthy and authentic Mm -hmm. but to your earlier point when control rules that's to me a danger sign I have to when set the, down when the temptation is to control. Yes. And we don't I don't think we have time to to go there. Yeah, to I under, don't know to understand that that's not the context of this conversation. Right. But it is worth noting that the origin of the need to control is very basic to human immaturity. Right. And my point simply was this and I didn't articulate it well. For disagreement to be healthy, it's got to be in a context where control is managed and safety rules. Okay. Right. right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, she suggests here that a society or a community without disagreement is not stable or free. I, yeah, it's pseudo. Like if it's like, if disagreement is not 
accepted and celebrated, made room for, then that little culture or society or team is not really stable or free. It's being controlled. And and it's a foundation of sand. It's an illusion that things are okay. We see this all the time in corporate organizations. We see it here too with couples and families where they have illusion. So whether it's organization and family or I'm self-deceived, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, everything is okay. Well, that's not authentic. On a broken planet, really the probability of everything being okay all the time, I mean, just look at it logically or probability theory, whatever. It's not, it's not real. Listen to this. In order, this is brilliant. In order for our ideas to be strong, they need to be able to be challenged. When somebody takes the time to disagree with us in a respectful way, we should work to welcome it as a gift and opportunity to sharpen each other. I love that. That's how I believe that's the way you respect people. When you confront me in our friendship or of Cliff, it's to me a sign of respect based on what you just read. That's, that's how I transpose that. It's like I care enough about us to talk to you. Yeah. But that's not normal because it's not safe. No, we don't take responsibility for we creating have, safety. We have not grown up in systems of safety where it was promoted and natural to be able to push back in healthy, respectful ways. No, most. So I'm suggesting this is new for a lot of people listening. Oh, yeah. There's not the practice of pushing back. Typically, the pushing back is in the form of an argument. Yes. Because I've got to raise my voice in order for the other person to hear me because they're not listening. Yeah, so we make it about identity when it's really about the information. Right. Yeah, I don't think you should run out and try this on people. <laughs> that would be disastrous. No, I don't think it would be. I don't think you would be successful. <laughs> no. Um, you already covered number two. When we debate to win, winning becomes a distracting goal. So I do think that you, you covered that well. The third point or principle, it's important to challenge cultures of control. We kind of talked about this in the abuse of power. Yeah. Series, yeah. Right? Um, so when we attempt to change someone's mind and they resist, it's incredibly tempting to exert control and dominance. Control not only creates imbalances of power, but it fosters frustration and resentment. Right. And it erodes trust. The the element that's most needed in any relationship is trust. So here the reality is. How do we challenge controlling forces in our life? Well, I, I hard question. I can tell you, I can tell you what I've endeavored to do. Um, I. I generally, when it's a controlling factor, I try to resist the temptation to approach them. So usually I'm invited in 
and if if I'm invited in, then I personally will try and address that concern. The second thing I do personally in terms of it is I try to allow people to confront me mm-hmm. so I don't abuse the power because I, whatever influence or authority I, I think I have or I authentically have, I try to, I try to um, recognize that I'm not above the temptation to abuse. The third thing, and I think this has taken me a long time to actually implement, is I I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, but I I'm not going to confront people in power when there isn't like an openness for dialogue. If it's not safe. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't feel safe to push back you're going to retreat, and that's going to have an effect on the relationship. Well, it's a pseudo-relationship. But there's always going to be a consequence for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Laws of physics and relationship. Did it? Yeah. Did I answer the question, though? You did. Okay. Well, we're... I mean, in, just from my perspective. We are having conversation Thank about you. the question. I'm, we're not here to solve anything. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, remember our disclaimer, Yes, we are not experts at this. I was, and I was speaking just for me personally. Yeah. Here is a scenario that we work most commonly with family systems. The difference between a six-year-old and a 17-year-old regarding the power of parenting, the responsibility of parenting, I bump into fairly significantly the power principle of a parent trying to control a 17-year-old adolescent. Right, because they perceive they're doing what is in the 17-year-old's best interest. And what I have come to understand in my study of family systems is, number one, my job is to keep my children alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good goal. Providing food, shelter, right? Sometimes allowance, whatever. But our, isn't our primary goal is to help navigate this autonomous individual in the earth to become independent of our resources? I would say yes and make good decisions. Yeah. But well, when they actually do that. Well, wait a minute. Wait. Yeah. To inform them how to make good decisions. But ultimately, their choice to make those decisions does belong to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... The, the emancipation or the, the growing out of the family of origin and becoming autonomous, independent, I feel is the primary goal of parenting. I would disagree. <laughs> I would say the goal is intradependence, mm. not independence. Intradependence it allows for that mutual as they move into adulthood, which I think you're preparing them even way back when they're younger, but that intradependence allows the um, sanctity of the parent-child relationship. I have to move them into, they're no longer my little child, they're adults. But I don't think that we navigate this planet alone if we're wise and I don't want to violate the relationship, but to your point, 
Yeah, it is independence. I think of it more as intradependence, though. Yep. And I, I would say the basis of my responsibility yes. is to grow a child into an adolescent, into a young adult at the legal age of 18, that they're able to be independent of me. Now, I would agree with you that my preference would be there would be an interdependent relationship that would be based on their desire, not on my control. Exactly. Let me just add that asterisk to the statement that we are making together. Yes, and that does, I I think of my kids. I want them to be in my life. I want them to choose to want that. That's their choice. Exactly. I give them the right to make that choice for themselves. Exactly. What do you think, Dad? We're playing, we're playing <laughs> well, right? You're doing a great job. We are playing well together yeah. in the sandbox. Right. That's easy to say. Yes. <laughs> uh, it seems to get real difficult and complicated when you're actually trying to do that. Yes, uh, it's, it's uh, that's the goal. But you have to come up with something. How do you deal with the missteps, misinformation, uh, the goofs, the screw ups like, along the way? How do you how do you adjust when things aren't going the way the, the way the, the script was written mm-hmm. to be? I don't think you get many parents or they say, what I want to do is I want my kid to be a completely uh, inept (laughs) idiot that uh, sucks off the society. I don't, I, even with people that I know they're really screwed up, they, they don't wish that for their children. No. Uh, And they really, I think I've come to realize they really don't wish that for their children. They just don't know how to do anything other than to create that and support that to happen. Exactly. You kind of pass on yeah, what, what yeah, you received yeah. in your it, own experience. It's like if I'm going to make a cake, I can get all the ingredients, put them all on the table. I know all this and salt and all that. I can work from scratch, not not the box past, kind. Not the box kind. So I have all these complications like that. And uh, I have, a, I have a, 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 a rule on how do you do it? What do you do first? Well, you do this first, you do that first, you do that first. So I add all these all these things in the bowl, uh, but I stop there, and I expect a cake to come out of that. Yeah, I have to stir. Yeah, the minute I start stirring, things take take things change. Some are within my control. Some are not within my control. Uh, instead of if I use butter, it's it's it becomes. It becomes a, a moment-to-moment experience that you have little control over, but you still have to make choices and decisions. So what I'm hearing you say is this. Once, once you have the goal, though, but the cake, the metaphor of the cake, you're still intentional about leveraging those ingredients. Right, but, but those leveraging those ingredients only come about when you start to mix all the material together and you need to mix that material together in such a way that increases the, the opportunity of the possibility that this is going to turn into the cake that I want. And isn't that the best any of us can do? I understand the goal. 
I'm trying to mix the ingredients well. Yeah, it's... But it's not easy. No, 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 no. And I, that's what I push back yeah. in our culture. When we referenced culture earlier, it's like 12 easy steps, three easy steps, four easy steps. Yeah. It's like I, I think that's misrepresentation at best and a lie at worst. It's like how do a farmer, go back to that, right. I, have to, I have to have some understanding of how the, the grain, the soil, the weather, the tractor, all of this works together to the cake, mixing it up. I have, that, that places the responsibility on you to get that knowledge. Well, if you're talking to Matt's point in family systems where I'm the parent and the child is the child, I, I, I'm, I'll use this terminology, don't mean it, so literally like in terms of value, but I'm the one in authority. I'm the greater. They're the lesser in terms of influence and authority. Mm -hmm. So the pressure is on me to have some understanding of how to mix these ingredients. Correct. And, and theoretically you can do all the right things and have the wrong outcome. We can acknowledge that. That can happen. But I think in terms of, what our topic is in terms of disagreement and the point that Matt started with transformational conflict or disagreement, that to me, healthy disagreement helps to mix that pot. Yes. Healthy disagreement. Healthy. How do you it's got to be qualified. Dysfunction is toxic. I don't know, guys. I haven't had lunch yet, and you have made me hungry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we do. We do need to push the pause button. It's that time. It's about forty-five minutes. We don't it's want a lot to. More we don't than want. I thought it was going to be. We don't want to burden our listeners, but we have. Uh, we need to come back to part two. Okay. Of this idea of agreeing to disagree, the art of compromise. We want to talk about how this is not an ending; it is a beginning. And the art of compromise is what we want to talk about in part two of this, because any two people who are in conflict need to be transformed in that process, but they need to also have a sense of solution to a problem, which is very common in conflict. And we're going to talk about that next time. Okay. But before we go, any closing thoughts with today's episode? I think you summed it up well, personally. Yeah. Well, if you guys are going to bow out, I'll bow out as well. We appreciate you tuning in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. We hope that your day is blessed, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much. For